It's something that takes time though. And it's very easy to fall into some negative self-talk and, you know, a few losses here or there. And all of a sudden you're sitting there dwelling on why you're not better. I remember being in the shoot and focusing on my, you know, your opponent standing, you know, two feet in front of you and you're, you're sitting there just kind of like focusing and saying your mantra over and over again. And my coach whispers into my ear, he goes, be gritty out there. I want I want to see some grit. Wrestling moving forward and then with Adeline Gray and her accolades, she has really become the face of American women's wrestling with her consistency throughout the years. Welcome to The Grit Factor. Reimagining grit as part of the whole person in a life that matters. I'm your host, Shannon Huffman Polson. This season is brought to you by Tiller the first personal finance service to automate all your daily spending and account balances into spreadsheets. So you can track everything in one place with everything customizable, strict privacy, and no ads. Try Tiller free today at tillerhq.com. Also by the Grit Institute, providing whole leader learning journeys in grit and resilience purpose, and storytelling. Invest in your people for long-term success. Find out more at thegritinstitute.com. Adeline Gray is a woman freestyle wrestler, one of two women to have earned nine medals in the sport. She is the first American wrestler to have won six world championships and has competed in two Olympics, taking home the silver medal in 2020. Gray is active in advocating for sports equality for women, especially in the sport of wrestling. Well, Adeline, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, it's a real honor to have the opportunity to talk with you. I've been following you for a long time, and I'm completely enamored with all it is that you're doing for your sport, which is quite unusual uh, for women, and also what you're doing for women in sport generally. So I'd love for us to have a chance to talk about both of those and what kind of keeps you going. Yeah, absolutely. And and I'm (laughs) pumped to be here too. It's, It's funny how kind of pass end up crossing. My sister is a pilot in the Air Force and she had had the opportunity to read your book and to meet you. And uh, I was struggling with just staying motivated and, and committing back to a very challenging year. And she sent me your book and it really was the, a wonderful moment for me. And we got to share this kind of a connection through story that was, uh, I think, very important and, and really helped motivate me at, at a very pivotal moment in my career. Wow. Oh, we hadn't discussed that. So thank you for sharing that. That's That means a lot to me. <laughs> no, there's some great stories in there that I think uh, can help a lot of people understand that just because they might be the only woman in their kind of field or feel alone at times uh, with uh, the uphill battles, it's really, um, it's possible. And there's people out there who've done it before and you're not always recreating that wheel. So it's a, it's a good motivator for sure. Absolutely. Well, you know all about that. So I I read a little bit about your background starting wrestling at age six. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. And I mean, that's amazing. Tell us a little bit about how it is. I know you're, I think I read that your dad helped you get into that, but then how did you kind of take to it and continue it when probably there were a lot of cultural and social pressures that uh, led you in other directions? 
Yeah, I don't think my parents would have ever imagined that at 31 years old, I'd still be wrestling. <laughs> um, when I was six, it was cute is really the answer. My my mom's oldest brother uh, was the head wrestling coach. And my dad was like, I want to teach my daughter something I know and love. And so we got out there on the mat and and they are cute when they're six. I mean, if you've ever seen those little kids that just go out there and push each other, it's like, it's adorable. It's like little sumo wrestlers in, in baby outfits. <laughs> um, but it, it is, it's cool. Uh, but then as I got a little bit older, I remember my mom being like, Hey, you know, this is, this makes you different. Are you sure this is something that you want to do? And I, I remember coming home and be like, no mom, I'm a wrestler. I want to do this. And so when the, wow. when the season got hard, it was just like, she still was there to kind of let me know that I didn't have to do this. This was a choice that I was making. And every season I signed back up and it was, uh, I think the first time I remember it really being that different was when I made varsity as a freshman and my wow. new best friend that I had just made brought her parents to come watch me wrestle. And none of my friends wow. before that had ever really cared. Like it was just like a sport I did on the weekends. And sure. I remember walking over to them before the match and being like, why are you here? And they're like, well, <laughs> it's like kind of unique that you're, you know, a girl on varsity. I mean, she's like, I was and the mom was a a team manager when she was growing up and she's like, I like wrestling and I think it's exciting that you're breaking wow. boundaries. And I was just out there doing something that I had done for a very long time. And she was, I think an eye-opening experience. Cause I was like, Oh wow. What I'm doing is kind of different. I, so I have a, a boy who is 12 years old right now. And I'm just thinking of all the dynamics of junior high and high school and how it gets so tricky to navigate everything. So did you feel any of that dynamic when you were a, a young woman? So it's interesting. You have people come up to you and they're like, Oh, you were the only girl I ever wrestled. And I'm like, you weren't the only boy I ever wrestled. So it was oh. my norm. It was, <laughs> it really was. I didn't have any yeah. other options. There weren't other women. I actually am bigger yeah. in the community of women's wrestling. I'm the heavyweight for my Olympic team. And I was a, a middleweight when I was kind of moving through middle school and, and, uh, and high school. And so there weren't a lot of women wow. who competed. It comes down to the leadership of the coaching staff. And my coach came in and was very blatant that it didn't matter what you looked like or what your gender was, that you were going to earn a spot on this team and there was going to be respect. Right. I later found out that there were some guys on my team who were like fairly against women competing in the sport. And I never knew wow. it. And they, they just had that respect that I was still out there doing something that was, that was bigger than high school wrestling. That was bigger than just competing to, to be on a boys team. The International Journal of Wrestling Science reports a rapid growth in women's wrestling since the first world championships were held in 1987, with eight countries participating. Today, women's wrestling is an Olympic sport. Over 100 countries boast registered competitors. But within the United States, the National Wrestling Coaches Association notes that only 32 states have girls' wrestling programs with sanctioned state championships. When did you become aware that it wasn't just something that you loved to do that you were really good at, but it was something that you could use as a platform to help others? I think that the idea of being a role model was a little bit of a tough one because as a teenager yeah. and as a young 20 something, I was trying to just kind of find my footing and be my own self and, you know, figure out right. where I fit in this world as, as a woman, where I fit in this world as like just a, a human being truly. <laughs> and right. uh, all of a sudden people are coming up to you and being like, you're, you're inspiring my daughter. And I'm like, 
I'm trying to figure out how to be 21. Like that's what my right. goals are right now. Like, <laughs> how do I figure out how to win these titles, be an elite athlete and find a boyfriend? After a while, you realize that you are making an impact and you show up places and you're able to motivate some younger athletes and, and you kind of end up fitting into this skin of being a role model that did never you know, it's not a dream. I didn't dream of being a role model one day, but all of a sudden I'm in a position that I think holds a decent amount of power to motivate young girls to stick with sports and to, and to find out how they can be a human in this world. Back in high school, I I didn't even, I couldn't even named another female wrestler. And now we have Olympic teams and world teams and you're seeing girls high school programs that are fully girls programs pop up all over the country and sanction at the state level. We just got our first D1 college program. I mean, there's so much growth within women's wrestling. Uh, I've seen a lot of, a lot of areas kind of condense and women's wrestling is still growing in this moment. We're going to stay in the sport and these opportunities are going to continue to bud and open up for us. Yeah, absolutely. And I also really love how you just said that it's about learning how to be a human, right? It's not just about you or just about the sport. It's about, or just about women. It's about being a human being in the world, right? Which I think is something that we don't give nearly enough attention to. Uh, No, I think there is something to be said with that. I think there's a a movement that's happening with, you know, equality of women, I think is definitely a big piece of that, but also just kind of like how to have that humanity and and how to kind of figure out where you fit. And there's, there's so much division right now that some of it is about just sitting down and figuring out what you stand for and and where you want to be in this world. Very few people make it to 30, especially at the level that you've been competing and excelling without a few things that were challenging along the way. And I know that we we learned from story and certainly in the grip factor, you, you've read the stories of these other leaders who are willing to share their stories. And I'm wondering if you would be willing to share a time when things were really, really tough and maybe you didn't know if you were going to make it through. Yeah, I have a, a very unique experience as um I was able to go to a professional wrestling league in India. We became one of the most watched sports in India in just that six week program. And it was incredible. Just the love that people had and how not very many of them had ever had a connection with women's sports. And so I was one of the team captains on my team. And one of their big like motivators was they have a, a group of women called the Fogat sisters who were born in an area of India that does not promote women. Like they just, uh, okay. if you're a lot of times, if you're born as a female, you get put into an orphanage right away and they only oh, want wow. boys. And so the dad had three daughters, one of the, he was a wrestling star and, uh, um, there's a great movie about it. Dangle, if anyone wants to check it out, but uh, essentially great. he ends up adopting his nieces and a couple other girls from this orphanage plus his daughters and making them wrestlers. And oh my gosh, <laughs> I was up on stage with these women and they were talking about how they had to combat just these brutal situations where people were so negative to them. And I remember being on stage and and they were speaking a different language and I was sitting there nodding my head. I was like, yeah, yeah. And they just told me to keep nodding. And then I got done. I was like, what were they saying? They were like, oh, they were relating it back to like how you're the American version of these girls who like had their lives threatened. And I was like, Uh, oh my gosh, like that is not my situation. Like I had a situation in the United States where I was protected and cared for and 
I, I wow. consider myself a role model, but I do not think I have had the extreme bigotry that these women who have actually overcome right. to be in a situation like they were. And I, I remember feeling almost like I had lied up on stage. Like I had, I had, you know, had these terrible experiences oh. as well. And I was up there and I'm like, no, 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 let me re-say this. Like, <laughs> women in sport are very important. And I think women should not be killed because they are born a woman. Like let's right. make those are two different things in my life. But one of them I had to deal with and one of them I did not. It's helpful perspective, isn't it? I mean, I think for all the challenges yeah. that that are very real in our country, they are, are probably much more severe, if not life-threatening in others, right? Yeah. And there's, and there's definitely similarities yeah. as well. You know, there's still the bigotry sure. that happens where I did have people who said they would not wrestle me because I was a girl. And I have had uh, situations where when I first went to join my first Olympic team, there wasn't right. Olympics for women in wrestling. And then my second right. time I wanted to join a team, they had, they only had four positions where the men had sent wow. 14. And so we were very limited. And so I was an alternate in that first team that I made. And then we pushed and wow. really strived. So we were up to six weight classes where the men still have 12. So we're still not at equal, but we're wow. slowly gaining ground and getting to a point where we will have equality one day. So I have two questions that come from that. And the first is when you come up against those kinds of things again and again and again, how do you not allow that to wear you down? How do you not allow that to, to, to get to the place where it adds up and it just becomes crushing? Um, I think as a kid, when I was wrestling, uh, people were always like, wasn't it terrible when people forfeited against you? It was like, my parents dealt with that. You know, like I was, okay. I was very easy to just, my parents were like, Hey, you got to buy. And I just accepted that lie that yeah. I got more buys than other people and just understood. And, and from a right. lot of, I, I also received a lot of respect from some of like, once I got into high school and started realizing the kind of the landscape a little bit more, um, I had a situation where a young man came up to me and he was like, my grandparents are here. They said they wouldn't speak to me if I wrestled a girl. He said, I'm so sorry. I do not uh, want to cause family drama over high school wrestling match. And I, and I thanked right. him. I was like, thank you for explaining that to me because sometimes you just are left in the dark. And I understand that there's an old school way of thinking that's slowly dying out. But this young right. man had enough respect to come up to me and say, I want to wrestle you. And I wish that we could, because I want you to have the same opportunities of getting better that I want to right. have. And it was a, it was a very different thing than when the coaches just, cause, cause high schoolers suck, boy, girl, doesn't matter. You know, like <laughs> yeah. are, not, are not the greatest version of ourselves as human beings. And when coaching staffs um, allow that flexibility of, is right. it okay if you wrestle this athlete? And do you feel like, no, you go out there and you treat that person with the respect of the wrestler and you go out right. there and respect the fact that they've worked hard. And the only way we get better is by competing against each other. And, and that right. difference is, is very easy when it comes down to it. You go out and you go toe to toe yeah. with another athlete. Right. So it didn't get you down. Um, no, definitely not yeah. when I was younger. I don't remember it yeah, being yeah. a problem. And I had yeah. such a good community that in my right. own little circle that I really felt like I felt protected. Um, I do have some stories yeah. of when I've gotten older and gotten yeah. to some places that, um, 
really have some highs. I mean, like I, I have done some stuff with the women's sport foundation with Billie Jean King. And I remember oh, coming great. back from one of her events and I just was like, Oh my gosh, women are amazing. Like we should be doing everything. <laughs> I'm like, why aren't we living on the moon? And I went straight to Iowa and we had this event and I had a woman come up to me and at the end of the thing. And she's like, I just don't get why you want to wrestle. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. And so I just, I just remember (laughs) it was so soul crushing. And I called my husband and he was like, they're not ready. And I think that's where I've kind of uh, been able to find some peace in some of the people who aren't ready yet. They're not ready to listen. They're not ready to open up. They're not ready to see the value of women competing in sports yet and how there's social mobility, how there's education opportunities, how there's team building, how there's ability to learn how to deal with obesity and and to be like to put yourself first, which is something I think women struggle with often. And it's, it's such a, beautiful thing that can teach so many young girls, especially young girls who struggle with their weight, how to be important and matter. And on women's wrestling teams, if you've ever been to a duel, the heavyweights are super important because a lot of times the duel comes down to being tied and you need your heavyweight to win. And Uh there are very few times that you have a fat girl be the prize star linebacker or quarterback. And it is so cool to see these Uh, girls be part, not just be part of a team, but be the best thing about the team and for people to cheer about them because it wins or or loses them the duel. And it's been incredible to see how this sport has allowed these women that we maybe would not picture enjoying wrestling, go out there and compete against another woman who is in the same fitness as her in the same body type. And have her right. learn the same aspects that you and I got to learn in high school, which are how to build up your muscles, how to take care of nutrition. Yeah. I mean, there's so many things that are lifelong habits yes. that we build through sports. And these young girls are getting that opportunity because of wrestling. That's amazing. I mean, that's completely amazing. When I hear you talk, I, I'm coming back again and again to the way that the grit factor ends up laying out, which is at the end, at the bottom, at the foundation of this grit and resilience is, is really owning your own story and connecting to core purpose. And, you know, as people are navigating this time of, of tons of uncertainty in the pandemic, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of loss, you know, in, in so many different sectors of people's lives right now. And one of the things I find people really resonating with is, is coming back to connecting to their core purpose or their heart purpose. And as I hear you speak, it's really sounds to me like you are, you are completely dialed in to both what it is that you're doing and how that connects to a larger, broader purpose outside of yourself. Is that something you think about consciously or do you just naturally do that? No, I think it's something I, I spend some time on and really make sure that I understand, uh, why I step on this mat and why I work so hard to do these these difficult things that, you know, most people don't want to do. And most of the time I don't want to do. (laughs) And so it's a, uh, it's a good thing to know. Like, I I really believe that there's some things that can be fixed in our world through sport. And I I believe more women should be playing sport. And I I think that's a big part of my core purpose is, is making sure young girls know about those opportunities and take advantage of them because they can be, they can be life-changing. Yeah. Well, you had a point in the middle of your career where you had some pretty significant injuries as well, if I remember. Can you talk a little bit about what what happened and and what that was like to negotiate that? 
Yes. So um, early on in my career, I had a a kneecap dislocation that ended up being an over a year out situation, which was really uh, just a struggle. And um, yeah, when I came back, I uh, I had a very interesting experience learning to trust myself again. They were some Uh basic things that all of us know. I mean, it's like some positive self-talk and some visualization and some just uh, yeah. baby steps and learning to trust yourself at a lower level. So it's easier to trust yourself at a higher pace. Um, so when you do have to go yes. live, it's not trying to go live on your first time, but you, you prepared yourself to, to know that you can step into those roles and, and be successful. Right. And, yeah. I mean, that's, that's incredible. So I'm going to make you back up just a little bit. And in that year of injury, like you're in the middle of that year and you're in the middle of, of coping with injury. Was there ever kind of a, a dark place that you got to for some of us that get into those dark places? I'd, I'd love to know what your experience was like. And, and if it was there, how it is that you made your way out of it. One of the things I did was I stayed very busy. Um, I, at the time yeah. I was going to school and I got a part-time job mm-hmm. and I realized rehab's a part-time job. And so right. there was just a lot going on. Um, I did learn that I did a little bit too much, but I do think okay. it helped me mentally be able to not get so low in those moments where you're like, will I ever come back? I spent <laughs> nine months rehabbing and ah. then just had a couple uh injury setbacks and, and my legs never been the same. Like that's, I think the biggest okay. thing is that right. I never fully recovered from this injury. And it's still something to this day that I have to modify my training for. Um, and it's a, it, honestly, it's a bummer, but a lot of times once you hurt something, it's not the same after, but no. it, it's, it's good enough to win. And I've found yeah. ways to work with my body and to compensate and, and find ways to still be great. And I've won more yeah. medals with this bum knee than I have, um, before my career started. So it, uh, it is wow. kind of motivating to know that even if you still have pain, there are ways to learn yeah. to deal with that pain. And I, I think right. it was an important year to go through those painful moments and know what my limits were and right. test those limits and be able to find ways to, to cope with that pain in a way that hopefully was healthy <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and bring myself back to a place where I could go out and competitively, competitively wrestle. Right. Yeah. Did that, did that make you be more creative with your approaches? I mean, it must have, right? Um, it's a little limiting at first, just because you yeah. have, you had, I mean, it's called freestyle wrestling, which means you can do anything, right. You can touch sure. the head, you can grab the arm, you can attack the legs, you can bite the ankles. Like you can literally do everything <laughs> oh on the gosh. body and you all of a sudden, like I was hurting to take a shot. And so I had wow. to really do the opposite where I, I had to become a specialist in just a few areas. Yeah. And I think it almost was a blessing in a lot of ways, because when you look at the greats, they do two or three really good moves. And that's about it. She is one of those athletes that is able to flip a switch. The laser focus understands as well as anybody in the world, the task at hand, what it takes to get to this level. There's a level of proficiency that you can get where you have to get creative with your setups because people do know sure. where you're coming. But okay. the actual attacks, I got so strong in just a couple areas and very dominant right. when 
people started to fear just allowing me to take them down because if I got on top, I was able to end matches. And I don't know if it's because of the knee, but it definitely felt like I was forced to learn some of these moves because of the knee and ended up making it my craft and and part of my wrestling that's still working. That's such an awesome story. And I will say before we got on to this conversation today, I watched one of your matches from October and that's exactly what they said. They said, she's going to get on top and there's going to be nothing they can do. (laughs) I was like, it was incredible. So you're also known for being particularly confident, I think in a good way with a smile and and that you can take anything on. What, What do you attribute that to? And this is where she's the best in the world. When she gets into parterre and top position, She can beat just about anybody. She looks for the falls. She can smell a pin. And here she goes, working Hamza to her back. Our official's going to work to the other side, look for the fall. And there it is, a fall for Adeline Gray. Um, My mother says that it was just something I was born with. She said, uh, I have a a little bit of a hearing loss. I struggled with some ear infections and a lot of ear surgeries when I was younger. So I think I struggled to actually understand people at times. Um, So everything, everybody with the mask, I'm just sitting there smiling constantly because I have no idea what people are saying. (laughs) But uh, I think as a kid, I just learned to take everything as a compliment. And so I I remember having super long hair and people were like, your hair is so long. And I'm like, thanks. Isn't it luscious and beautiful and wonderful? And I, and I just like absorb that as, you know, like people would be like, you do a weird sport. I'm like, isn't it cool? Like my response has kind of always kind of been this like little bit too rosy of an experience. And And I think that internal self-talk just kind of translated into when I was a little bit older, my husband is also like, very confident and very confident in my skill sets as well. And it's pretty fun to have him and I just kind of like banter back and forth with just the career that I've had and the dominance that I can have going into tournaments and, and allow myself to feel good about my wrestling and good about my career and good about myself. And it, it, and it's uh, it's great, you know, why not feel good about yourself? (laughs) Absolutely. That's fantastic. That by itself is is an incredible opportunity to be a role model for women of all ages. Yeah, I know. And it's something that takes time, though, and it's very easy to fall into some negative self-talk and, you know, a few losses here or there. And all of a sudden you're sitting there dwelling on why you're not better instead of, you know, focusing on the good parts of your your wrestling and your career and like the things that you're still doing well. And I I think that's something that's helped me in my career is like even when I've had losses, I haven't let me I haven't let it knock me off my path. I haven't let losses change the direction and the day-to-day work that I'm doing. I didn't do anything different leading into the last Olympics when I lost as I did this Olympics. I still was listening to my body. I still was trying to figure out the best thing to do each day. It's interesting that such different outcomes can happen. Um, Sure from a very similar path. And I think it just goes to show that life's not perfect and you have to have right. the road and it doesn't have to change as long as you trust and you believe in yeah. kind of the path and the people around you that you set up that they, if they're the right thing to continue on that path. Yeah. So is that, if you do have a match that you don't win, uh, do you, is that what you come back to is like, this was the right path. This is what I'm going to come back to. This is what I'm going to keep doing. Or how do you, do you have a plan for what happens after a match that doesn't go quite like you expected? 
Um, we definitely have like a debrief from it about like, yeah, yeah. was there a technical issue? Was there a, you know, just um, making sure there wasn't something right. glaring that we need to fix. I've added some people and adjusted uh, just yeah. kind of my coaching staff to be a little bit more collaborative as I've gotten a little bit older and, and been able to absorb this knowledge. And, and it's yeah. been cool to kind of see how important it is to build that support system. You know, every day we went in and we played ball. And there's a, an incredible group of uh, Team USA women. And wow. so we would go through as part of our warm up and pretend to be playing water polo like Maggie Smith or, you know, Maggie, Maggie <laughs> Steffens or Ashley Smith, uh, Ashley. I mean, it was just really cool to go through and be able to name these women and be able to right. resonate with their power and strength and, and replicate their sport. And it was really wow. a cool thing to kind of bring in that female community that I think all of us need. We all need to be motivated by other women who are doing amazing things. And, and I did that yes. every morning before every practice was to make sure that I was connecting with those people. I love hearing that. That is amazing. And in a way, I feel like we can almost get more strength sometimes from someone a bit not in our exact field, right? Where you hear stories yeah. of someone a little bit outside of your field, which is where your, your story, which is so unique, will resonate for so many people, I know. <laughs> how do you think about, uh, if I threw out the word grit, what does that mean to you? And how has that played out in your life? Grit's an interesting one. Um, before you go out onto the mat for the world championships, you're sitting in this tunnel that's dark. And so it's just you and your coach. I remember being in the shoot and focusing on my, you know, your opponent standing, you know, two feet in front of you and wow. you're, you're sitting there just kind of like focusing and saying your mantra over and over again. And my coach whispers into my ear, he goes, let's be gritty out there. I want, I want to see some grit. And to me in that moment, it was so important because I was like, I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight for these positions. I'm going to fight to make sure that I get what I want out there, that this is going to be my pace and my tone that I set out there. And it was a, it was a word that I hadn't really used in my training very often. But right. in that moment, it was so perfect because I, I was nervous to wrestle this person. And I knew that I needed something a little bit more than just to go out there and be technical. You know, I needed right. a little bit more fight in me. And that word motivated me to go out there and to win a match that led to another world title. And it was, it was wow. perfect. It really was. I added Fantastic. it to my list of words that kind of helped me. And, um, I have like a goal chart essentially that has different motivating words. And so each day I pick one of those words and, and write it out and have it be part of that practice. And so just helping wow. me set that intention to make sure I, I'm getting the most out of each practice. And, and part of that yeah. journaling that I do before practice is uh, writing down how many um, days until the tournament. And so uh, it, oh, it just makes each day feel very important when you're saying like, 32 days until the Olympic finals, you know, it's a, it's right. a very, it makes every day very precious because you end up in a position where you're like, I'm running out of time. I need more. <laughs> and <laughs> right. sometimes, you know, when a pandemic happens and you move the Olympics an entire year, you're like, this cannot come soon enough. I would like it to be here now. <laughs> yes, for sure. So are, what are some of your other words? Are you willing to share? One of them is one that our team made. So our national team sat down and came up with words that were more general things like teamwork, self-worth, growth mindset, right. grit. I think in my own one that I made, I have 
process goals on bottom kind of thing where instead of just what do you want to be when you go out on the mat is really, I think Mm. most of the words that are, you know, I want to be strong and powerful and dominant. I want to make sure that I'm technical. I want to make sure that people see this intensity that I'm allowed to bring to this wrestling mat. I'm hearing so many amazing things just in that story that you're setting intentions for a very, very specific and targeted way of being on the mat and doing your work for the day every single day, which I love. And that you're also resting, that you know that that intensity is not something that you're going to maintain every single day of the year, but you actually have to take some time when you don't do that kind of intense sort of intention setting. Does that sound right? Yes, it, it does. And it's, uh, it's yeah. been helpful to have both of them. You know, I, I reached right. some very special goals by setting those goals and by being very focused and intense. And, yeah. and, uh, it also is wearing though, you know, like having to stay right. on for the entire Olympic year was a challenge and 2020, wow. you didn't know if the Olympics were postponed. And then when the, once they were postponed, you're like, okay, I still have to stay in shape and be ready for next year. So we were sitting in this limbo area where we still had to make sure that we were the best in our country to qualify our actual selection spot. And then the Olympics were just a few months later where there was still uncertainty leading up to the Olympics. And you still heard rumbles about a postponement or a cancellation. and, And we had to kind of put our blinders on and just do what we could in that moment and go out there and, and just compete. And I I think our team did a very good job and we had one of our most successful Olympics for men and women's freestyle. That's amazing. What, what an incredible story. I, you know, I use that same metaphor of the blinders. There, there are times, right. When everybody is saying this shouldn't happen, this can't happen. You shouldn't do this. You can't do this Mm -hmm. where you just have to put them on. Right. And, uh, and keep moving forward. One of the things that you've mentioned is is this training of your mind. And that um, I feel like is sort of woven through some of the stories that you're telling as well. What is it that you do to train your mind for success? So I do work with a sports psychologist. And I feel like I... Um, and it really able to make gains and I've built a, an entire toolbox of mental mm-hmm. skill sets, whether that just be a bedtime routine meditation practice to help me fall back asleep or fall asleep or allow myself to calm down if I need to get myself to the right level before a practice or to get myself to the correct like energy level before a a big match and um, just really understanding and and learning how to check in with myself and learning how to adjust that energy level I think is one of the most vital skills that I've learned not just for wrestling, but for my life and being able to communicate right. with people and, and be able to just kind of be <laughs> a better human being with my emotional control and, and also lack of emotional control, knowing when, when it's okay to get angry and allow that energy to flood you and to have it be purposeful. There are right. numerous times that I don't feel ready to go step out on that mat. And I have to allow some of that energy yeah. that for most people, what they would say is negative or isn't helpful. Yeah. And at that moment, it's so helpful for me to right. have that that negative energy. And it allows me to, to be the person I need to be in that moment. And that's somebody with more energy and more passion. And it's uh, also about checking in with yourself and making sure that doesn't overwhelm you. And so that you are not so clouded by that anger that you can't be purposeful and intentional with with your actions and, and with what you're trying to do in that moment. 
Right. I have two more questions for you. And the first is what you would say to somebody who is struggling with the challenges of working in an environment that is not uh, always supportive of them being there. What would you say to somebody who's in that, in that place? I think I would tell people in a place where they don't always feel like they fit in or don't feel like they are valued quite yet is to just find your allies. I think there's always allies out there. And sometimes we let a few bad people who are saying like, oh, women shouldn't be here. Or, oh, we, why do we have to share mat time with the women? Or why do women need their own wrestling team? But there's also right. so many great people who are fighting for the right things as well. And there's people who yes. want you in that corner. And yeah. they might have a different way of showing it. And I think it's about just some of it's about letting time pass, you know, like there's, there's a a level of a a generation of wrestling that we just need to let die out and that's okay too. And just to kind (laughs) of let that statement of they're not ready and that's okay. And I'm going to be gritty and make sure that I'm here and do my job well and make sure that people know that I, I, I'm going to earn my place here. And it's, yes. it, it's hard because my, my coach says no one was looking for a reason to love us, but they're looking yeah. for one excuse not to. And so we right. had to be better and we had to walk on eggshells in, in moments when it wasn't how the guys were and it wasn't right. fair, but it right. was the situation that we were in and it provided a little bit of importance. And I think it set a platform for, for me to rise to that I, I didn't know I was capable of. And it, it, it took right. my coach kind of stepping in and saying that you need to make sure that you are not the one that causes people to say like, we don't like women's wrestling. And right. slowly I've seen women go in and one coach at a time, just change their minds. And all of a sudden they're huge advocates. You never really know who's going to be that ally your presence there is still important and valuable and is it may be just setting the foundation for the next person. I love that. That's fantastic. Adeline, I have no doubt that you're going to make an impact in anything that you get involved in. And I am definitely betting on you as well. So thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was wonderful. Oh, I loved our conversation and I look forward to staying in touch and continuing to follow your, all of your many successes. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks for listening to The Grit Factor. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast app and share it with a friend. Also, pick up your own copy of The Grit Factor for more candid stories and lessons from leaders in the vanguards of their fields. And invest in yourself and in your team with learning journeys in grit, leadership, purpose, and storytelling at thegritinstitute.com. Thanks for listening. I hope you'll join me for the next episode of The Grit Factor.